Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Count to 10 podcast with Bree Hall. And today we have a very, very special guest on the show, the amazing, phenomenal Aliza Kelly, who is a New York City-based celebrity astrologer, host, and author. You're just so amazing. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And it's really a pleasure to be here. Could you tell our listeners just a little bit more about your practice and everything that you do? So what started you into your journey in the planets and the stars? Certainly in the past few years, interest in metaphysical topics has just skyrocketed, no pun intended. And I think that I individually came to this work for the same reason that people on an individual and collective basis are drawn to this work, which was that I was having, I was in a time of crisis. I was in my early 20s and I was so fragmented. I was so confused. I really was having a hard time separating fact from fiction, understanding what I wanted to be doing, even these general principles of like, who am I? I had not really processed a lot of very traumatic things that had happened to me in my childhood and in my adolescence. So in my early 20s, I was cycling through some of the same really toxic, destructive patterns. And I was looking at my horoscope, trying to figure out what to do. And I found in a birth chart and I saw that I was a Pisces moon. And that was kind of the gateway for me into wanting to research more and understand it. Because that tiny piece of information about your internal world, just being something in and of itself, being separate from the way that I interface, being separate from the externality was really comforting and really validating. And I felt very seen. And I think that that's what astrology offers people individually is a space to let all of your truths exist simultaneously, a space to be seen, a space to be yourself. And then on the collective level, I think that part of being human is looking up and having big questions and trying to find big answers. So I think that there is just this very organic process about using astrology, using the stars, and then using metaphysical practices to make sense of a very chaotic world. I could understand totally how seeing this in-depth version of the birth chart would open a whole world to you because for me at least I know when I first saw my sign I didn't fully identify with my sun sign right and I didn't know that there's this whole like other world where like you can get more in-depth descriptions of things for your inner world and how you relate to people and things so like when you knew your just your sun sign alone did you feel like you related to that or was it learning like the big three and then diving deep into like the planets and houses that you start to feel more connected to astrology i'm a leo and leos get a lot of feedback there's an instruction manual of like what it means to be a leo which I knew from a really young age. And, you know, I liked being a Leo. I, I liked being a fire sign. I liked being associated with the sun. I love lions. But the sun sign alone did not speak to a lot of the other things that were going on, which was, you know, I was really struggling with addiction. I was really struggling with confidence. I'm also a really sensitive person and I'm really gentle. So some of the stuff that I would read just about being a Leo sign of, I need camera time, like get out of my way. (laughs) Yeah, like that's not me. If I see somebody who needs to have attention more than me, like attention should go on them. So there was a lot that was not 
captured in just my sun sign alone. And then when I started to discover all of these other variables for myself, that really helped create a more multidimensional understanding of who I was, which was true, which was that I was, I'm a really multidimensional person. And prior to that, I didn't really have a language to understand all of those nuances. That makes so much sense because also when you have this overarching identity for your sun sign, I feel like when you see other people that may have different placements in their charts that are very extroverted and very like cutthroat getting to the goal and they do have your sun sign, it's like, what am I doing wrong? Thinking like, maybe I'm I'm missing something, right? When actually, maybe it was just the information itself. Yeah, it can be really destabilizing to find out you're a sun sign and then think that that's everything and then be like, but I don't fit this description very well. Especially if you're looking for validation and you only find that piece, it could actually spiral you into more of this confusion and fragmentation. When you said that you were a a highly sensitive person as well, are you speaking in terms of other people's energy or more so was it just an internal thing with the outside world? Sensitive across the board. I'm not good with practical jokes. Like they always end up hurting my feelings. (laughs) Things make me cry really, really easily, very quickly. I mean, I can barely watch nature documentaries anymore because just even seeing like animals doing animal things to each other is too much for me. Yes. Seaspiracy gutted me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I watched the trailer and I decided I'm I'm not in an emotional place where I can watch the rest of it. (laughs) See, you're better than me. You watched the trailer. I went in just like, oh, this looks interesting and like bawling. I've now learned through astrology is that I have to be really, really careful with myself, with what I absorb, because the sensitivities extend beyond just me being butthurt about something. I'm a deeply intuitive person and I pick up other people's energies. I pick up the energies of stories. I pick up the energies of images. And when I was younger, before I really knew how to work with this, I overstimulated myself. I thought that I could handle it. So learning about my birth chart has also really taught me how to take care of my mental health and take care of myself and make sure that I'm not putting myself in positions that I'm then going to end up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm still anxious about something that I saw or a conversation that I had. That's like actually a really important boundary for self-love and self-care is actually advocating for what you consume. I am a fervent believer in that. I'm proud to say that that's one of the ways that I've really been able to establish some solid boundaries for myself is that I'm really, really careful with the movies that I watch, the TV shows that I watch, even what I do on the internet, like even who I follow on Instagram, how I interact with things, because I'm so sensitive and that is one of my amazing gifts but if it's if I'm not being careful with it, then it can really, you know, bite me in the ass because I also need to I'm also the one who has to process it. Do you believe that extrasensory gifts are something that you develop in childhood alone, or is it something that someone can develop later in life or practice into? I think everybody has a lot of extrasensory abilities. I think that it's actually part of our animal instincts to have awareness and to be attuned to things that go beyond the five senses because that's ultimately what we're talking about. I I remember being aware of my energy and 
the concept of energy like very very young like some of my earliest memories so we're talking like i remember the bars of my crib memories are me being aware of that but i do think that having a very challenging childhood made them more prominent because there were things that i had to be attuned to that went beyond what was being communicated verbally in my environment so i had to become sort of hypersensitive of little you know, of just shifts in energy to know like what mood my mom was in. If someone was angry, if something was wrong, that was being communicated on the energetic field as opposed to what was being communicated directly. Ooh, I identify with that very deeply, what you just said about even just like the hypervigilance of living in an environment where there isn't this strong, grounded sense of communication that is both transparent and honest, frankly, where if when someone says like, hey, I'm fine, I'm okay, they actually are fine and okay. And you can feel that energy like a weight that's sitting on you. Even now as an adult, something that's so frustrating to me is when you can feel someone's energy, but they're telling you something else. It's just that awkward imbalance. Like, so how do you deal with the internal and spiritual realm and having these intuitions and psychic abilities versus people who might not either believe in it or understand it? Yes, I understand the question so much. Sometimes, you know, when we're working on building our intuition and trusting our intuition and learning to have a healthy relationship with ourselves, we have to accept the fact that sometimes we're going to know things and we're going to know them deeply and they're not being the things that are being communicated externally. You know, like I learned this lesson a lot in dating when I would feel that someone was on the edge of ghosting me and I would like call it out and be like, hey, your communication has gotten a little weird. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. And I'd be like, okay, but it just feels really weird. Lo and behold, I never heard from them again, obviously. And it was through those experiences. So like both ones that I had to deal with that were like very vulnerable. Everything's vulnerable, but like things in my childhood and then also things in my adulthood when I was navigating the world and needing to sort of parse through like the fact that my intuition never lies. My intuition is there to support me and to give me information. And I stopped seeking validation for that intuition. It's actually very respectful to other people too, because for instance, in this example of the dude ghosting me, like he may have not even realized that he was drifting away. He might've thought that he was still present and connecting in the same way he was before. Yes. And he hadn't, it hadn't caught up with him yet that he had lost interest. So it's also mm -hmm. like, I don't need to have verbal confirmation or like, you know, text confirmation that my intuition mm -hmm. is correct. Wow. I have to just be confident in knowing it is. That is such a healing thing to hear because oftentimes it can lead to this feeling of like, am I being gaslighted right now? But sometimes the person genuinely just isn't aware of what the fuck they're feeling. But I think, yeah, seeking validation from the outside world is like a, a slippery slope when you're dealing with something that is quite internal in nature. So do you ever feel like you had to suppress your gifts at any point in order to feel accepted or, or make people comfortable in a way or kind of like hide pieces of yourself? Yeah, I, I think that I was doing that all the way up until my Saturn return. I think that it was not really until I was in my very late 20s that I 
felt really comfortable being able to be my true and fullest self. Even the process of me becoming an astrologer felt scary and I kept it at sort of arm's length. You know, I had an astrology dating app for a few years, but I wasn't an astrologer. I would take classes, but I wouldn't do readings. You know, like everything was kind of creating these boundaries because I was worried that people would judge me. I was worried that I wouldn't be accepted into, I don't know, society? Like, I don't know. I I think a lot of it also was about dating. I think a lot of my insecurities were embedded in not feeling good enough to be wanted as a partner. So I think that when I did meet someone who, like, loved those parts of me, it gave me a lot of permission to celebrate them and explore them more. So I really do think that for me, you know, finding someone who appreciated the things that I was about was a really validating experience. And and you know what's interesting too, like when we were talking about validation, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree, but I feel like there is a certain kind of validation that is helpful when you're stepping into this realm, but the validation doesn't really come from humans per se. It comes from like time and nature and like the way things occur, where it kind of like validates that intuition and that that deep sense of knowing that you had. That was like so profoundly beautiful. Yes. I And I think that that's Saturn. Saturn is the symbol of time. And it is Saturn iconography is actually what the Grim Reaper imagery was based on was the mythology of Saturn with the Sith, who was, you know, tending to the grain and to the agriculture, which is ultimately about like, farming is a passage of time. So the Saturn return process and working with just getting older and feeling wiser and learning from your experience, I think is really the most incredible and profound teacher. Another thing that might be helpful for listeners to know is that there are many different kinds of psychic abilities. They don't always revolve around per se like the future. I, I started learning a little bit more about like clairsentience and like all these different interactions. And I even realized within like family how we have different abilities, which is why I was never able to kind of pinpoint or just say, you know, like how you said, brushing it off and feeling like, oh, like even my mom would be like, don't tell anybody you predicted that. Like, you know, because I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so where do you feel like with your abilities, where do you feel that they fall on like the psychic spectrum? Because it is a spectrum and there are varying degrees of like strength and abilities. For my particular ability, I would say I'm probably the most clairvoyant of all of the clairs and then maybe clairsentient as well. But I do get a lot of information from images. I'm very visual. I can see a picture or see a clip of somebody and I can like feel their trauma sometimes. And it's a lot for me, especially if you're just scrolling and you're not expecting that. It's one thing to be working with a client in session and it's another thing to just be like peeing and then have that experience. (laughs) That's something that took a long time for me is separating your own emotions and your own intuitions about yourself versus things that didn't belong to me. One of the most practical solutions that I would love to offer listeners is before you're about to have some sort of shift in your environment, whether you're going into a restaurant to meet up with a friend or you're going onto the subway or going into 
a family reunion or a family barbecue and there are some people that are just like big personalities for you is to do sort of a psychic scan body scan before you go into the environment which is basically like does my head hurt am i congested like do i have any neck pains do i have any wrist pains like what's going on in my body what's going on in my emotions where am i and then on the other side of it when you get home that evening, do that same scan. And then you might notice like, oh my gosh, my head is pounding or like my ankle randomly hurts. And like you literally could have absorbed somebody else's injury, pain, trauma, feelings, and then just notice where you didn't have it before, but now you have it. And to release it, recognizing that was something that you accumulated in that time that you were in that environment. So in my sessions with people, I start my day aware of sort of like, okay, I woke up this morning, like my lower back hurts, like good, clocked it, good to know, that's my issue, my pain. <laughs> yes. And then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, so back still hurts, got to get a new chair, but mm. maybe I also have this like tension headache or I feel nauseous mm. and maybe these aren't my emotions. Maybe I absorb these from one of my clients, in which case like I'm going to release them with compassion. And I feel like even when you're somebody who's very empathic, you get so sucked into the work you do because you do care that sometimes you can even develop tension from just being sucked into like what someone is saying. That energy transfer is really, really intense. But I love what you said about like kind of the subtraction process. Tending to the world's emotions is not practical, right? At the end of every day. And I think being able to separate would bring so many people peace, even just on like a daily basis for self-care to even help identify toxic environments or environments that just are not healthy or people that may not be like, they might be healthy for someone else, but just not for you. And I think when I was mm -hmm. younger, I used to attract a lot of to me, people who were energy vampires. I don't think that these people that we call energy vampires are always like bad people. <laughs> I don't think that they yeah. intend to be that way. But mm -hmm. th like their way of moving through the world with my way yeah. of moving through the world created an unreciprocal relationship where I felt mm. I was, yeah. they were taking more out of me than I was getting back. And I would leave mm. those hangouts, feeling drained, depleted, exhausted. And I didn't yeah. know what was really going on because they were my friends, but it was just like, would ring me out. And when mm -hmm. I learned about sort of like, oh, this is energy, you know, this is just yeah. the way energy is being transferred. It allowed yeah. me to then know how to safely interact with those people, which is like only mm. for a certain amount of time, in only certain environments, in only yep. certain ways. And I could create healthy boundaries for myself to actually maintain the relationships. Mm, I love that. And even identifying what may trigger draining conversations with certain people. And um, I, I saw a quote recently where they were like, sometimes you have to meet people where they are and not where you are. And that really stuck out like, oh my goodness, yeah, sometimes it's frustrating when it's like, oh, I want this person to be, you know, excited for themselves about the things they have going on or this, that, and the third. But it's like, oh wait, they're not there. So I have to literally just meet them at the level or place that they are in their life for even self-protection, right? So I also was wondering like, are there any misconceptions about astrology that uh, you've experienced in your journey? 
I think that the misconceptions are probably the very things that I was afraid of when I was younger, which are Mm. the, you know, you're ungrounded, you're really wacky, you're not smart (laughs) if you believe in this, a feeling like that people would not take me seriously, that I would not be able to be respected as an astrologer Mm -hmm. and through the practice of astrology. And I have found that, you know, to be true, and that's not wrong. People, men, white men, do seem to like to say, you know, like, oh, you really believe in this stuff? Like, you and try to apply the scientific method to it. And it's like, wait, enough. Like, that's that's not what we're oh talking gosh. about. Like, I'm, an, I'm a very, like, well-read, thoughtful person, but I also don't need to prove myself and I don't need to prove my intelligence and I don't need to prove the fact that I'm grounded and then I pay my bills and that I pay my taxes, you know? And it's funny because so many people don't know that astrology is an academic practice. Literally, it's a study and something that has to take years and years and there's I feel like there's a never-ending amount to learn because there's always more being attained and and studied. I read through a lot of like things that you've written and you're even talking about how you study mythology, which I thought was really, really epic. Can you like tell the people some more about the things that you've had to study to become an astrologer for all the the mansplainers out there? This one's for you. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I studied astrology Mm -hmm. for four years before I ever took money from a client longer than most master's programs. (laughs) I studied it very seriously. Work with mentors, I'd attend classes, books and books and books and books. Working with experts and practitioners in a variety of different fields as well to really find my voice and to figure out what resonated with me and where I could, you know, find my own creative and artistic approach, which I think that now after so many years of studying astrology and working with clients and building my own practice, I do have my own sort of unique point of view on things. And I have Mm -hmm. worked my way up to that with a solid foundation. But I also, you know, I've kind of swung even so far the other way where I just resent people not getting like how hard it is so much Mm. that I'm also like but if you also don't know anything and you want to start practicing that's cool too like you can (laughs) approach it super academically and but you Mm. also can approach it just out of curiosity and passion and pleasure and and it's still valid gatekeeping of any way shape or form can be really problematic so I as an astrologer with the way that I came into it and the way I studied like I love the way that I approached it, but I don't think that it's the the only way, and I don't necessarily think it's the best way. I'm sure there's lots of other amazing ways to go into astrology and to develop your own unique relationship with the material. For me, mythology has always been really fascinating, and I love the archetypes. I love the stories. I love the drama. I love the tea. Yeah. I love the gossip. <laughs> so it's been fun to sort it. of like balance it with that. This isn't coming from necessarily a fully academic place. This is just coming from observation. But as a kid, I was like, oh, we have our sun, our moon, et cetera. And then astrology, when you start looking at like the moon and they were talking about like your moon sign being like connected to your inner world and everything like that. And I was like, wow, wait, humans are like mostly water, right? And then the moon like actually controls our oceans and all the water on the planet 
and the way it moves is actually controlled by the moon in that part of science that was my reasoning as a kid when i was growing up like no astrology kind of has to be real right if we humans are water and the moon controls water like wouldn't that make sense as to like our inner world having similarities due to like phases of the moon and the planets that's brilliant and that's the type of incredible multi-dimensionality and layers mm -hmm. and storytelling and science and mythology and magic that like makes yeah. this so interesting to me you know like I was just watching this time-lapse video of dandelions because mm -hmm. you know dandelions are yellow and then they're yeah. suddenly these like white puff balls and I was like how does that happen <laughs> and the time-lapse video was extraordinary you know this yellow mm -hmm. and then it closes back up and then it reopens as this puff ball mm -hmm. and I was thinking about how the sun, and that happens over the course of a month, which is the same amount of time that the sun is in a zodiac sign, right? Yeah. So it's like we can also go through these transformations that are solar driven mm -hmm. as organic beings ourselves. So the sun yes. influencing our own open, opening and closing and the way that we feel, mm -hmm. okay, I'm ready to show up at a party or I don't want to see anyone right now. Like those solar and lunar expressions of who we are are like, we see them reflected in nature. Of course they're reflected yes. in us. And I think that human, the arrogance of human beings is forgetting that we are nature, that we are organic beings. Oh, talk to the people, talk to the people, okay? It's like we walk the earth just like any other, I don't see myself as above other animals, you know what I'm saying, on the planet. But I feel like what you just said about the solar and lunar cycles as well as the planets and thinking that like there's so much out there that we don't know that can't be explained. So I feel like denouncing something that does have so many like academic ties is just so silly to me. The other main thing with astrology is like, isn't it general? Isn't it something that is like applies to everyone? And these are just really, yeah. you know, broad strokes. And mm -hmm. no, is the other, <laughs> the truth of it is that it's so specific. Each person's birth chart is a thumbprint, you know? It is like yeah. so incredibly specific to who they are and it's a combination mm -hmm. of nature and nurture that arrives at that story that is somebody. And I love that you brought up birth charts because when I just knew the big three, I started to open a bit, but it's when I saw that full birth chart, like the pages and pages, and then I was reading through it and I'm like, whoa, I feel naked right now. Like, bitch, like, please don't, <laughs> don't read me like this. <laughs> but even in prep for our episode, I, I asked a couple of friends like, hey, are there any questions that you have about astrology and, and different things like that? And one of the overwhelming questions I had was, hey, I, I got my birth chart. Like, I, I know my time and everything, but I don't fully understand things beyond the big three. So is there any advice or basic things that you can tell listeners? There's three primary concepts that each need to sort of be individually understood and processed. And remember, time is the teacher here. So go slow, go at your own pace. There's no rush because the universe will never show you what you do not have the capacity to understand. So what you can understand at any given moment is all you need to understand. But the three primary sections of a birth chart are the zodiac signs, which is, you know, the 12 zodiac signs, then the planets, of which there are many, but usually people go sun, moon, 
Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and then the houses. And of the houses, that includes the ascendant or your rising sign. So the zodiac, the planets, and then the houses, which is sort of the architecture of your wheel, are the three things that sort of need to be embodied, understood, conceptualized, intellectualized in order to be able to really read the full scope of that 360 degree diagram. But as you're starting, I would say start with the zodiac signs and the planets, and then you can build in the houses and the structure and the areas of life. So just to begin with, like, you know, what are the 12 zodiac signs? How does one differ from the other? How are each of them unique? And then what does each planet represent? How is each planet reflective of an area of life or an expression of self? And I think that the combination of those can make it easy to start to see sort of the bigger picture. I love that. And I think that's going to be super helpful for people getting started. I noticed that, you know, earlier in our discussion, you talked about how once you found out that you had you said you had a Pisces moon right I do (laughs) yeah so (laughs) so you talked about like how learning that brought you a lot of understanding so what are some things that just from working with clients and things that people can probably understand more about themselves from getting into learning their birth chart I know it differs from person to person but like some things that that someone might not have known before or seen before. I think that the main, the most important and biggest metaphysical principle is that everybody has every single sign in them. So we are not just our sun sign and we're not just the signs where we have planets. We also are the signs that we don't have planets in. So we are that whole 360 degree sky lives inside of us and through time we're going to end up opening the entire birth chart up but and it's almost like the gears of a clock where there's all of these different like gears turning at different speeds but they're all fueling the same apparatus that's kind of how our birth chart works is that we're in these cycles upon cycles upon cycles we're constantly in motion So even the birth chart, which is like an imprint of the sky when you are born, is ever evolving and constantly changing. I'll talk to clients and they'll be like, I've never felt like this or like, this is so new to me. Like what? I thought I was this. And it's like, your chart changed. You know, you've changed. You've grown Mm -hmm. up. You're older. You're different. You've had new experiences. So I think just Mm -hmm. welcoming that innate growth is part of the magic of it all. Wow, I love that. Seeing some of my hidden spots, right, where it's like, hey, if you're not self-aware, this is something that you may run into because you notice that like a lot of your strengths can also be your weaknesses if you're not, like you said, diligent about what you're consuming and, and how you are taking in information. And like that was a huge eye opener. So I was going to say, too, um, we were talking earlier about how, like, this industry has gone really mainstream, right? And when things go mainstream and get really popular, that breeds an environment for a lot of false information mixed in with quality information and practices. So what are some red flags that listeners can use to spot a fake astrologer or someone or, like, a practice that might not have the most accurate information? 
Well, I would say that the integrity is really important. There are definitely some people out there where I'm like, you know, side-eyeing, how long have they been studying this for? Like, and now they're charging how much for that? Like, that feels shady. But, you know, if it's having a positive effect on people and people are healing and growing, then, you know, whatever. I... I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I would say that what does bother me is when corporations use like astrology terms or the zodiac or try to front like, oh, we'll just do a marketing campaign and just slap different things associated with each zodiac sign without consulting an astrologer without paying someone for their expertise, without linking someone in who does know what they're talking about. It's disrespectful to the work that so many people do professionally. And it also bastardizes it, you know, like it makes it absolutely. And that's the reason that people are like, what are what this is so generic? This is so general. This is so not me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, when you have a big corporation just randomly assigning 12 different products to 12 different zodiac signs. Yes, it is not spiritual. It is not metaphysical. (laughs) It is is just by our merch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like from from my personal perspective, that when I see certain information that you could tell isn't, isn't rooted in a lot of study or, or experience, it turns people away from the practice, right? So I'm glad that you pointed out like things about corporations and things like that because I see people on a daily basis like, this is dumb. So that's another reason I'm so happy to have you on the show today so that, you know, people can have access to someone who's like really ingrained in the work and really doing the work. Right. So which brings me even to the point, you are the host of the wonderful podcast, uh, Stars Like Us, which is exploring mythology, magic and pop culture. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about, you know, what you do on your podcast for people who are curious about astrology and the beyond? Stars Like Us is a platform to meet different practitioners, different experts across a variety of fields. So not just in the metaphysical world, we also have actors and musicians and models and influencers and activists and thought leaders and all different types of people who have interesting stories to tell through talking about astrology but also these sort of collective experiences we can weave those narratives into these greater narratives that are happening in space and time right now that are relevant oh my goodness i i really love that and i think that if you go there like being able to connect everyday life with astrology makes everything so much more digestible for beginners and just very intriguing and and expanding for people who are really already deep into like their practice and study so what are some good places for people who are completely new to astrology they like they don't have a birth chart they don't know like even where to begin and they're overwhelmed well i hope that listeners will give me a follow on instagram because that's kind of like the hub where i you know will launch my new offerings and i'm going to be releasing courses soon that are going to help people who are really just beginning and don't know where to start but i also am the founder of this community called the Constellation Club, which now has about a thousand people from all around the world. And we have a 24 seven chat room on Discord. 
And I have tons and tons of PDFs available, pre-recorded classes. I'm always doing workshops. I'm always doing hosting information sessions. So you, know, you have access to all of these amazing people. So you could drop your birth chart in there and be like, hey guys, like, what do you think about me having my son in Scorpio in the ninth house? And you'll be able to like, you know, crowdsource tons and tons of different feedback on it. So it's, wow. it's a cool place to hang out with like-minded people. We both talked about just this feeling of initial isolation or being judged. And I think finding your your tribe, your community that also has been there, but also believes and practices and, and is passionate about the same things that you are can be so welcoming and warming for anyone listening that may feel they're alone. You're never alone. We're on the internet, y'all. Like, <laughs> oh Right. Even goodness. when you're alone hanging out on the internet, you're never alone. <laughs> Yes, you have your girl Brie and Elisa here <laughs> to support you. Oh my gosh, so uh, this has been so great. I know we, we talked earlier about potentially guessing my big three. Are you still down for I'm that? I'm down, or we... yeah, I'm down. But I'm, down? Gonna, oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm tell so you about my thinking process on this. Mm-hmm. I generally don't try to guess anyone's placements because as an astrologer, ironically, I never assume anything. You know, I never assume how someone is going to embody a placement. I want to work with someone and understanding like what does that mean for them individually as opposed to just slapping one size fits all. But I'll tell you in my own mind, of course, I'm always out there being like, I wonder what sign that person is if I don't know. So I think that you have definitely fire in your big three. I would say Leo somewhere, but I also could get Aries vibes. And the reason is, actually I could get Sag too, but I definitely feel like there's fire somewhere because you have a very warm, inviting, and welcoming energy. You're an effortless host. You are making me feel very comfortable and very welcome in your space. I could also imagine Gemini or Virgo, one of the mercurial placements, because of an interest in wanting to like learn and hear and this whole wanting and caring about things. But then I feel like there's Scorpio. (laughs) I also feel Scorpio somewhere. But it also, you know, for instance, the eighth house, which is an area um, which sort of has scorpionic themes like all of my planets are in the eighth house so sometimes people think that i'm scorpio but it's really just because i have my sun mercury venus and mars in the eighth house um so yeah i know (laughs) it's a lot um so i would guess that in your big three we're going to have some combination of fire air, either Gemini, maybe Aquarius, and maybe Scorpio. That's okay. That's what I have. <laughs> that's that's your guess. And, and then y'all, uh, she did this without asking any questions, like just from our talk today. So my big three, my son is Gemini. So you got you got that when you said Gemini or Aquarius, I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, the curious. I was trying not Gemini. to give it away on my face. Um, and then Moon. Big Scorpio moon. No way! (laughs) I'm so serious. When you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, my face is going to probably give this away. And then my rising. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all, Lisa's going to freak out right now. Sagittarius rising. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, y'all. Like, oh my goodness. And And you know what's funny? I was like, 
we we just had this like brief conversation so i was like i don't know if like more questions need to be asked about like how i might handle certain situations and literally you hit the nail on the head i was wondering what tipped you off about the scorpio moon because i feel like that is that so was dominant. intuitive baby <laughs> that was pure intuition that's the one I think remember when you said your moon sign really gave you an, un, a deep understanding. I think that's what was so confusing to me seeing all these Geminis who are really like cutthroat over y'all like ugh, not not to ruin <laughs> y'all's day, but like Donald Trump's a Gemini and I'm so mad. Like I was like, no. So I, I feel like there's a lot of Geminis who are also very creative, but I don't really relate 100 percent. But then once I saw the Scorpio moon, I was like, oh, bitch, wait, this is like my my emo poetry in the nighttime, like, and 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 deep care. And like, so I feel like I'm constantly in that battle of like uh, wanting to ascend and socialize and all these things, but also being very, very sensitive to people's feelings and energies. And again, like wanting to make people feel welcomed and comfortable in spaces. So Oh my goodness, that's that's amazing. You really you really got my big three. I can't wow. believe that was really good. Y'all, let me let me give y'all a homework assignment too before we close out. Some of y'all are astrology skeptics, but your Facebook birthday section will give you away, okay? You know how <laughs> Facebook has like that massive birthdays calendar? I said just think about, you know, even if you're not friends with somebody anymore due to distance or whatever, think about who you just naturally had that click and gravitational pull to, right, y'all? Think who you had a pull to, but there was, like, something that just wasn't fully clicking there. You know what I mean? Like, it was good. They were good people, but like you said, maybe in doses, right? Yes. And then think about the people that you just genuinely clashed with over your, your course of your life. And then go through your Facebook birthday section. I was in shambles, okay? <laughs> in shambles. And then you might notice a few close, close friends might fall into a category or or a sun sign per se that you might not get along with right or might clash with in in theory but then once you kind of open and expand into that person's birth chart there might be other placements where they present differently yes and so yeah that's that's a little homework assignment let's make sure that you follow Eliza on everything can you tell everybody your your socials and your website as well so they can find your pdfs and everything all the resources yes so all of my handles are aliza kelly so it will be at a-l-i-z-a-k-e-l-l-y everywhere on instagram twitter tiktok for you kids and <laughs> and then my website is alizakelly.com and uh, the Constellation Club is funneled through Patreon, so you can join for just $5 to get access to how to read your birth chart workbook, guide to Saturn, guide to tarot cards, guide to crystals, guide to manifesting, like all of the magical metaphysical stuff I do, I have formalized through that. That would be patreon.com slash Aliza Kelly, and you'll be able to access all of the work. Thank you so much, Aliza, for coming on today and, and really just breaking down astrology as well as just psychic abilities and all of these things that I feel like so many people are speaking about behind closed doors and kind of having these curious Google searches, but now have a standing resource and someone that they can look into and, and start their journey as well. And I'm just so grateful that uh, I had you on the show today. Likewise, Brie, it was so lovely to meet you. So wonderful connecting. 
But you know we have our ritual at the end of every episode where since our show is called Count to Ten and it's about sometimes hard topics, sometimes heavy topics, but also very, very enlightening topics. We like to have a 10 second moment of silence to just restabilize and regroup after each episode in order to like just get back into our day. So Aliza, if you're down, let's let's I'd do our, our 10 seconds. Awesome. Okay. So wherever you are, uh, if you're driving and you can't close your eyes, don't worry about it. Just, you know, be mindful and present in the moment that you're in. And I want everyone to take a deep breath in and out in and out last one deep breath in thank you everybody so much for listening and i will catch you in our next episode bye